You're listening to the Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about the Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. Well, I hope you were encouraged uh, this morning through the singing and the reading of the scripture. We will be in 1 John, as Mark said, in, in chapter 1, verses uh, 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. We'll go all the way through that. Uh, this morning, I want to just recap a little bit what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about Jesus and who he is and why it's important. We can't just believe anything about Jesus. Who Jesus is is essential. It's key to our salvation. It's key to what we understand and why Jesus had to come. So, what we, what we read is that Jesus is God. He is God. He is deity. He was with the Father and He has always been with the Father. And He will always be with the Father. He is eternal. He is God. We also understand that Jesus came as a man in the flesh. So important. If Jesus didn't come in the flesh, we don't have one who is able to bleed. One who is able to suffer. One who is able to take nails actually into his hands and to his feet. We have one who doesn't really resurrect in bodily form. We don't have that. So Jesus, when he came in the flesh, he did something for us. He was our advocate. He is the one who took our place. He is the one who took our place on the cross. Something we deserved, he took that for us. And we're going to read a little bit more about that this morning in these verses that we're going to read. And lastly, we understand that we have fellowship because of what Jesus has done. We have fellowship with the Father, we have fellowship with the Son, and we have fellowship with one another. That our fellowship together is based on what Jesus has done, nothing else. That's our our thing in common. We have a lot of things that we don't have in common here. Everybody here has a lot of different things about themselves. Like me, I'm I'm cut grass, I preach the word, uh, and some people sit in office all day and, and type on a computer and work numbers. We have different jobs. We have different personalities. We have a lot of things different. But what we do have in common is Jesus. And that's really all that matters, right? Because one day, we will be with him face to face, eternally, forever. We are family forever. And so we have fellowship because of what Christ has done. In Christ, we have all things in common. Isn't that crazy? That we can have all things in common because of what Christ has done. And so know this, when John writes, hey, I want all these people to have fellowship. It's only if we proclaim the word of life. It's only if we proclaim Jesus. And so if you desire, and we should desire, to other people have fellowship with us, if you desire that, you must proclaim Jesus the word of life. He alone is able to bring us into fellowship with one another. So that's what we studied last week. And this week, we're going to read 1 John, starting in verse 5. So starting in verse 5, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him. Him being Jesus, because he was talking about Jesus before. So understanding the 
what he was saying before we understand who him is. So this is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you. This is so important to understand this truth. God is light. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fellowship we have with you because of your son and the sacrifice you gave by sending your son here and putting him on the cross yourself. And that Jesus went to the cross willingly in place of us. God, I thank you for your word, that it's clear to our hearts and our minds through the Spirit of God. I ask that you would make it clear by your Spirit, that your word would work in us. God, I pray that it would change us and make us more like your Son, Jesus. That it would give us assurance of our salvation as we walk in the light that it would reveal those who walk in the darkness, Jesus Christ, and our need for Him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing we see in verse 5, and it's, it's essential, it's significant that we understand this truth, because it, everything else that John's about to say in the next chapter relies on this. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness at all in God. But first we have to understand this description of light. And why did he use the term light? What does he mean that God is light? There's a few scriptures that describe God. But here's a a good one that describes God as light. Here's a really good one. It says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings, and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. That's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. We see God is in unapproachable light. We, we, We understand Moses, when he went up on the mountain, he asked to see God's face. God said, no, nobody can see my face. They would just die. They'll perish. God is in an unapproachable light. His goodness, His his truthfulness, His holiness, 
His goodness, His perfectness. Us as sinners, us as people of the darkness, without Jesus, if we go before Him, we are as if we were dead. He is unapproachable. Unapproachable. But also we see Jesus says something about Himself when it comes to the light. In John 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus claims to be the light. And God claims to be the light, God the Father. There's only one person who can claim to be light. That is God. It is God himself. So this picture of God and Jesus being light is essential for us to understand the gospel. Why? Because what it does is it makes clearly a contrast of who God is and who we are. God is light and we are not. God is light and there is no darkness in him. And we are people of darkness by nature. All of us would agree to that. All of us would. Because if we don't, says that if we say we're not without sin, we're actually liars. We call God a liar too. So we understand our need for Jesus because of this picture of light and darkness, the contrast that John gives us. So God is light means a couple things to the scripture. We understand that God saying that he's light means he's the source of life. He is the source of life. We understand that light gives us life and all things life. Without the sun, we would have nothing here on earth. Everything would be dead. And so there's that picture of light being the source of life. Second, it means truth and holiness. We see in verse 6, go to verse 6 and see what it says. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We do not live out the truth. And so this idea of light is this picture of holiness and truthfulness. Basically, God is the source and the measure of truth. And there is no sin or wrong in Him. Now that's hard to wrap around our brains because everything we see is affected by sin and darkness and wrong. Everything we have is affected by that, the fall. But God, He is other. He is holy. He is set apart. He is altogether good, altogether truth. That is the God that we can have fellowship with and that we will have fellowship with if we trust in Jesus. So this truth about God being light is key to understand those who claim to have fellowship, how do we truly know we have fellowship with God? John claims something very simple, very, very simple. If you say you have fellowship with God, you cannot live a life that looks nothing like the God you claim to know and love. It's that simple. You claim to know and love God, you can't look other, completely other and different than Him. You can't be walking in the darkness 
Basically, there's no way to come to know and have fellowship with God who walks in the darkness. There's no way. So if we walk in darkness, we don't have fellowship with God. It says that in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. So if we love the desires of the flesh over the desires of God and walk in those desires, then we do not have true fellowship with God. The word fellowship means to be in a relationship with someone that you have an com- important commonality with. You have something very important and in common with this person. So if you say you have fellowship with God, but do not desire the things of God, and walk in your flesh daily, then you are walking in darkness. You are a liar. You are a liar. You tell lies. If you say you have fellowship with God and walk in such a way that you walk in your own desires instead of the desires of God, you don't walk in the truth, but in the lies of Satan and his deception. That's why he calls us a liar. That's why he calls us people who walk not in the truth. Because we, Satan, he, he tells us lies. He deceives us. Our flesh deceives us and tells us these things will satisfy us. And we believe them and we walk in them as people who are not saved and have fellowship with God. But then he says something positive on the positive end of this in verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with God. It's a pretty simple picture here. You don't walk in the light, you don't have fellowship. If you walk in the light, you have fellowship. So walk in the light means desiring the things God desires and walking in them, living those things out. So here's a very practical way John puts it in this letter. In 1 John 2, nine, it says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. It's about as practical as you can get, right? If you want a practical thing, what does it mean to walk in the light? To love your brother and sister in Christ. To love them. But if you hate them, you walk in the darkness. You walk in the darkness. So if you claim to be in fellowship with God, and hate your brother or sister in Christ, then you do not have fellowship with God and walk in the light. If you live in darkness, it means you do not see all the goodness of God and love Him. You love darkness, everything in it. You love it. You love darkness, hate light. That's what Jesus says. You love darkness and hate light. If our eyes are open and we are born again, then we will no longer love the darkness, but we will understand the lies for what they are based upon. We will understand truth for what they're based upon. The desires of the world are no longer appetizing like they used to be. I'm not saying that we don't struggle with the flesh. I'm not saying that the flesh and the spirit aren't at war with one another. That would be a lie. That would be false. What I'm saying is that the things of the world and its desires and the flesh and darkness, they no longer satisfy us anymore like they used to. 
They used to satisfy us. We used to sit in it, in the darkness, and hide it and love it. But now, because of the light, because of what Christ has done in us, the light, He reveals the darkness as what it is, a lie. He reveals it as something that doesn't truly satisfy because He is the only one that can satisfy. He is the only one that can actually give us light, that we can walk in that. So basically, you will come to hate the darkness. You will come to hate it and love the light. But before Jesus, we love darkness and we hated light. And that contrast, it speaks clearly of our need for Jesus. It does. So you see why John uses that stark contrast of light and darkness. This doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And he's going to clarify that in the next verses. doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. Walking in the light doesn't mean you're without sin. It means that your life looks like the light. And that you don't love the darkness anymore. And that you don't hide in your darkness anymore. You don't hide in your sin. It becomes light. You confess it. This is what Jesus says about darkness and light. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. This is Jesus. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So people who live in the darkness, if you're living in the darkness, you don't want to come to the light. You don't want to come to Jesus because it exposes the darkness and you love it. We all have been there. We all have loved darkness. We all have loved our sin. We all have been appetized and loved this sin that we, that we do. But if we come to the light, and let him expose it and seek forgiveness and confess it, he is faithful to forgive. Do you believe that Jesus is faithful to forgive? Because if you do believe that, then you no longer have to walk in darkness anymore. You can walk in light. You can walk in the things that Jesus has commanded us because we have forgiveness of sins, because He is the light and the light is in us. We are the light of the world. So walking in the light doesn't mean that we're never going to sin. It means that when we do sin, we confess it. That's an odd thing in the church now. Confession of sin. Even the word sin, it's odd to hear. Nobody likes to hear that, that term, sin. They'd rather hear the term mistake or bad choices or, you know, you, you try to change it up to make you feel better. You, you, you see the wor- world do that as well. 
It's not sin. But sin is against somebody. It's against a holy God. And that's the way we have to see our sin. But sin is taken more lightly every day. As we, as we live in this culture, sin is not, it's not looked at like we should see it. Sin is so gross that we had to have a Savior come down in the form of our flesh. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. If you see the cross and the blood that was dripping from Jesus' body and the nails that were in his hands and his feet, you see your sin in the reality of what it is. You see your need. But the problem is the gospel is not powerful in our lives anymore. So we hide in our sin. And we say, we don't need to confess it because Jesus has already died for it. And this scripture shuts that down quickly. And this is what it says. In verse 8 it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. You see what it says? If we confess our sins, as believers, as people of the light, we will fall short. We will sin. We do fight the flesh and the spirit, and we will, we will mess up. We will sin against God. It, it happens. If you say you don't, he says you're a liar. That's what he says. I don't say that. He's saying that. Those are harsh words. But he says, you are lying and you call God a liar. Let's just, let's just sit in that for a while and think about what that looks like for the church to confess our sins to Jesus and to one another. The scripture says, confess your sins to one another. Why? There's shame, Right? Why the shame? Why do, we, why do we put ourselves through that? It's not shame. We know the gospel. The gospel, the gospel brings us to a different place when we confess our sins. As believers, when we confess our sins, we have assurance that He is faithful, that Jesus is a faithful Savior, and that He will forgive us all of our sins. He will forgive us. He is just. and He will forgive us all our sins. So what this means is that if we are true believers, then we still sin. And that we need a Savior. But we do not hide in our sin but we confess our sin to Him. This is something that is so powerful that the church, I believe, is missing out on today. If we confess our sins to Jesus and to one another, then we are reminded of the power of the gospel in our lives, and the gospel is preached to us on a daily basis. If we all hide in our sin, then we live in our shame and think everyone else is super holy. 
And we are the only ones who fight the sin that we have in our lives. And that is not a picture of the healthy church. A picture of the healthy church is a church that lets the gospel work and move in the lives of those who have fellowship with God. So confession of sin is our response to what we believe about Christ and what He has done. That's what true confession looks like. It's trusting He will forgive. It's trusting that He will be faithful to forgive. Coming to Jesus with our dirty wretchedness and trusting Him is where we start and it's where we end. Trusting Jesus for our salvation, our justification, our sanctification, our glorification. Those all are about Jesus and what He's done for us and in place of us. This is huge for our walk with God. This is huge for our fellowship with Him. It keeps us humble and it reminds us of our need for Jesus every day. It keeps us humble. If we think we have not sinned and we walk that way, for months upon months, we become prideful and we think we don't need Jesus anymore. And that is a dangerous place to be. And that is not what fellowship with God looks like. Fellowship with God is a constant, constant reminder of our need for Him daily, of salvation from our sins. So if we go down a little bit further in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. He's trying to encourage them to live holy lives. Don't walk in the darkness, walk in the light. Walk in such a way that you know God. Walk in such a way that you have to give an excuse to the world. That when they see you, they are wondering what happened. What is going on? What is so different about you? You have to give an excuse. Then he says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus is our advocate. What does that mean? He pleads He pleads a cause for us. It means he is an intercessor. He, he intercedes for us. He goes before us. He goes on behalf of us. That is what an advocate does. I want to read some scriptures to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 33 through 34. Romans chapter 8, verse 33 through 34. It says this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Wow. Jesus is alive and is at the right hand of the Father and He intercedes on behalf of us. His life, it, it tells us that His death mattered and that it was truthful, it was real, it was that His death did something. That His death actually does save us. His life matters. 
He intercedes on behalf of us. There's another scripture that I want to read. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through, 22 through 26. I think this says it best about Jesus being our advocate. It says, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death preventing them from continuing in office, because, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for our own sins and then for the sins of, of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself as a sacrifice. He is our intercessor. He is the one who goes before us. And that's why it's so important. This, this description of Jesus says he's the righteous one. That is so important that he is righteous because we all know that we're not righteous. We are unrighteous people. When we go before God, we do not have a right standing before Him without Jesus. But Jesus comes in place, and He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. And He comes before us, and He goes before us. And He's the propitiation of our sins. And that's what verse 2 says. It says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He is the propitiation. That means He takes our wrath on Himself. And He gives us righteousness. God is gracious to us. He is a gracious God that He would send His Son. That He would take upon the wrath that we deserve so that we could have his righteousness. They call that the great exchange. He took our sin so that we could be righteous. He is our advocate. He is the one who pays the penalty of sin. And he is at the right hand of the Father right now, eternally with him, assuring us that we will eternally have life because of him. Because if he did not raise from the dead and sit at the right hand of the Father, we would not have eternal life. He is eternally our advocate. He will always be our advocate. We will always need an advocate for our sins. So as the band comes up, I want to take this time to respond to what the Word says what the Spirit has, has done in you. It's done in your heart. If you've never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this message of Jesus is compelling you, is compelling you to know Him, to want to know who this Jesus is and what He's done. You want Him and what He's done for you. You want forgiveness of sin. The sin has been brought to light you no longer want to hide in your darkness and live in that, but you want to live for Jesus. Surrender your complete life to Him. Everything. Carry your cross. It's, it's costly. 
to follow Jesus. I don't want to paint a picture that's not real. It's costly to follow Jesus. So if you want to follow Him, you must drop everything and run after Him, wholly surrendering to Him. If that's you this morning, you can come talk to me. I'll be in the back. Casey will be in the back. There will be other men and women in the back to pray with, to talk with. We're here to talk through this so that you understand what Jesus has done and that you could receive Him, that you can receive Him this morning. Second thing is maybe you're holding on to some sin in your life and you are scared to death to confess it because of the shame and the hurt and the reminder of what it brings up in you. Jesus is faithful. Confess to Him alone. He is the only one who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. If you confess to Him, if you confess to Him, He will renew your soul. and He will bring you back into that perfect fellowship with God. So if you're holding on to something, there's sin that is eating you alive. This morning, you can trust fully that Jesus will forgive you. So this morning, if that's you, you can come on the altar, you can can sit where you're at, you can pray with somebody that you trust. I encourage you, if you feel the Spirit calling you to confess that sin to another believer, you do that. It's healthy. It's good. It's biblical. It's all those things. So if you have a sin that is just tearing you down, that is keeping you in guilt and shame, confess your sin this morning. He is faithful and just to do what He says He will do, and that's forgive. Let's pray. Father, You are... You are a faithful God, and you are holy, and there is no one like you. God, I pray that the Spirit would would cause our hearts to, and our minds to see the sin in our lives. God, I pray that you would you would con- compel us to seek forgiveness from your son Jesus this morning where we have rest and we are free in his name. Say in your word that we have no condemnation any longer because of the blood of Jesus and what he's done. God, I pray that those who are living in their shame and their guilt they would come to the one who is able to forgive us, free us from our sins and our shame and our guilt and our condemnation. God, I pray that those who don't know you, that you would enlighten them, that you would open their eyes, that you would bring them from death into life. 
because you are the light. And there is no darkness within you. And you are the only one who is worthy of giving us this life and this light that we may walk in it and give you glory because it is in your name and it is for your name and it is through your name that we have all these things. And it's through your Son that you revealed this light to us and that we have the opportunity to walk in it. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray these things. Amen.